so coming to the studio tonight, mm-hmm. Recon Cinema Studios. Yeah. It is a literally a dark and stormy night. As we inch closer to Halloween 2018. Oh my God. I was, you know, I parked the car. I walked over. The lot is, you know, it's it's late at night. Mm-hmm. We've had a long day. Mm-hmm. It's very quiet. Mm-hmm. Security is at a minimum. Mm-hmm. I could swear somebody was following me. Oh my god! Swear. <gasps> did you hear footsteps? I heard footsteps. Oh my god! How many black cats did you come across? Seven. Oh my Why? god! Why? That means there's ten that, more out there. I release. I, I release one every day. <laughs> so there are seventeen black cats <laughs> yeah. roaming, uh-huh. waiting to cross my path. Yeah. So you're sabotaging. It's you. You are the one following me. That could have been me. <laughs> I did. I arrived shortly uh, after you did. Well, I'm glad so, I made it to my booth. My I'm locked in this uh, soundproof yeah. booth. I can't get to you if I wanted to. You can't hear a thing outside right now. Outside of this booth, I guarantee it. But that means you can't hear anything out. Like you can't hear anybody coming, and well, no one could hear me. Oh I, boy, I hear you. <laughs> well, thank God, well, somebody yeah. does. It's a dark night out there. Stay safe. Yeah, and we're we're there's goblins and ghouls about. <laughs> they sure it's are. It's spooky month. Spooky, because ha- Halloween has gone from a a one night children's holiday to a month long uh, ridiculous celebration. <laughs> and it's all the fault of what we're talking about today. Yes. It's entirely one hundred one hundred percent this movie's fault. What movie's that? Well, why don't you stay tuned and find out? Okay. I'll be I'll be right back. <gasps> Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. <laughs> I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Halloween. That's right, everybody. We're only halfway through October, and we're hitting the ultimate in terror. 1978's Halloween. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. John, I'm sorry. Yes. If you look at the poster. That's, that is literally in the contract. That is John Carpenter's <laughs> It has to Halloween. be called John Carpenter's Halloween. <laughs> well, thank you for tuning back into the show, guys. I hope you enjoyed how we kicked off the month of October with return of the living dead mm-hmm. and we're back here with the classic halloween since there is now a new halloween coming out with for some reason the same name same exact title it's 40 years e- later exact title couldn't have put any kind of change there had to use the exact title i guess minus the john carpenter part really yeah yeah that's how they that's how that's they, how they get, get away, away with it, it. yep Sons won't see his bitches. name on the poster there 
Uh, but we're talking about the original, one of my, I'm going to spill the beans, my all-time favorites, uh, one of many people's favorites. I haven't really, I'm going to say this right now, I haven't really met anyone that has disliked the that, that has actively disliked it. Right. It may not be like their favorite or they may not be horror fans, but I haven't met anyone that really is like, that's a bad movie. But anyway... Welcome to Reconcinimation. I'm John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And thanks for coming back. I want to say a quick, uh, we'll take care of some business here. Quick shout out to uh, E.K. Wimmer for doing the theme song, as he does every week, live in the studio. Yeah. You guys should see it sometime. We, we invite you <laughs> to, to we, the studio. We could do a, We could video stream it. Streaming is really cheap now. It doesn't really cost a lot. I've not heard of this. No. Oh, I should tell. Oh, stream. Like a, stream. No, it's like like uh, a. It's like it's like you have your own TV signal, but it goes through the computer or a cell phone or a, a, a what? An Alexa. I. Oh my gosh. I, I don't follow. Oh no! I, we have a we, video signal. Uh, do you subscribe to Wired magazine? Mm-hmm. You must have been through, reading about this through, then. through my dial-up. Oh, yeah, no. I subscribe to that magazine through <laughs> no, my dial-up no. connection. We've got a lot to go over. I know. I got to, yeah. Uh, and then also just want to shout out to a very, very loyal follower, uh, Steve, who's out there listening, I'm sure, right now. Oh, yeah, Steve. Want to say a quick hello and thank you so much for for uh, staying up to date on the show with us and uh, you know checking in every week. We, we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, he's uh, he's a he's a uh, a guy we know has been there from the beginning, and uh, um, we got some feedback from him. And uh, I'm I love that uh, I love hearing love hearing stories about us being listened to. Yeah, listened to. I like to be listened to. I yeah. just want to talk and have people. I guess that's what we do here. <laughs> I guess that's that, that this, is literally what's happening. <laughs> we must be listened to. I'm smart. Uh, so before we we dive into the movie, should okay. we just go down? And and check out this this day in history. Oh yeah! Oh, there's like a flying calendar graphic, guys. If we were streaming it, you would see a flying calendar with going wings? back and yeah, it's yeah, like, it's, it's definitely it's, wings. It's yeah. bat wings, actually. <laughs> it's because it's October, you know, and uh, where it's flying through the air, going back in time to different years. What happened on this day in history? Well, in 1940. The Great Dictator was released. Oh, Charlie Chorpin. Charlie, Charlie Chorpin. Charlie Chorpin. <laughs> Good old Charlie Chorpin. Yeah. The legend. Uh, uh, I Love Lucy debuted on CBS in 1951. Oh. Huh. So those are two big that's projects huge. right there. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, 1959, The Untouchables premiered with... Uh, that's. For anyone who doesn't know, that's about Elliot Ness and, and Al Capone. Was Robert Stack. Robert that? Stack. Yes. Now that's way, way pre-Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Because they weren't making Unsolved Mysteries in 1959. <laughs> unless we all missed many seasons of it. Right, right. The unaired 30 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. How long was The Untouchables on the air? A long time, right? A long time, yeah. I'm not sure exactly how long. I but think it uh, ran through 96. <laughs> might like, as well. It was... It was up there with it was it aired after Friends I think in its final yeah. season. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go hand in hand. <laughs> you know Rachel Elliot Ness. <laughs> yeah, they dated. There was a, oh, there's a bunch of crossover episodes. Yeah, 
like Magnum PI and Murder She Wrote. I mean, you gotta buy the DVDs to catch those ones. <laughs> they don't like to play them back. Uh, 1989, little sports trivia. Wayne Gretzky became the all-time leading NHL scorer. Yes. So congrats to Wayne. Yeah, he was like up to 72, I think, career-wise. Yeah. I think. Way to go, Good Wayne. Good for him, 72 goals. He's still feeling career. that high, I yeah. think. Uh, and in the year 2000, right at the sort of the tail end of our coverage here, mm-hmm. Curb Your Enthusiasm premiered. Oh, that HBO show? Yeah. From Larry David? That comes and goes whenever it wants to. Yeah. Curb. Hey, hey, you watching Curb this season? Did you catch Curb last night? I curbed. Did you? Everybody, that's... Did you curb? I curbed. That was the cool thing. Hey, what? Oh, my God. Did you see, uh, you know... Richard Lewis? Oh, Richard Lewis on Curb. Elaine Boozler on Curb. Was she on Curb? I hope she is. Probably. I love Elaine Boozler. We're all... They were all on it. No, well, that was a lot of exciting things that were yeah, happening. It was a big, yeah, it was actually more than I thought it was going to be once I, I started checking it out. I can't like, believe more than, more than like three or four things happened in history. And there's a whole other, like, there's a lot of stuff that actually happened. Yeah, not just entertainment. World grand news. scheme of things, but, hmm. you know. I don't care about any None of them were as important as right now and this episode being released. Yeah, this day in history, yeah. the Halloween episode. <laughs> of Reconcinimation. <laughs> Debuts. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to cover Halloween every Halloween. Yeah. Every October. We're just going to keep doing it. Yep. As if we didn't do it the year before. Uh-huh. We're going to delete this episode yeah. and do a brand new one. So I'm just going to start off with my memories of Halloween. Oh, okay. I the- I saw it for the first time when I was probably 10. Mm-hmm. And at that age, I think I was a little too young for it. It didn't really mm. register other than... You know, Michael Myers was scary to me, but it didn't, nothing really clicked. Sure. About five years later, I was on a, uh, a weekend boat trip with a friend of mine, my friend Damien, mm-hmm. and we were, uh, we rented a couple of movies and we were kind of like off on our own on this, on this boat. The hell? I'll leave the story there. What the but, hell? <laughs> what is this? Unsupervised 15 year olds on what? a boat. What? But <laughs> Halloween 2 was one of the movies we had and I was then I, we watched it and I was completely like sucked in and I was trying to remember the I couldn't really remember the first one that well mm-hmm. so then I was getting all my wires crossed after that when I came home uh, I rented the first one mm-hmm. rewatched it and I was immediately like just totally I was all in on that one wow just totally loved it totally connected with it you connected connected with it, with it. I mean, what does not, that mean not, not, the, not like that the I'm murder? a serial killer <laughs> I just I saw myself in no, that movie I connected with like the where I lived was sm- you know small town yeah. USA essentially yeah um, so I I connected with like the the creepiness of this happening in every town you know yeah so that was that was what I identified with. So like, uh, oh, like growing up in a small suburban town, just houses everywhere. Yeah, people going about their day, walking about, and then you you can imagine like a serial killer, a killer in your own neighborhood. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, That's yeah. why it just sort of like your world sort of opened up to. Oh well, geez, what if like crazy murder was happening in yeah. my neck of the woods? Like, what if I looked out my window into my my clothesline mm-hmm. and there's some creepy killer staring at me. Yeah. 
that is very frightening to this moment. <laughs> Hence, but, I've locked myself in Recon Cinema Studios and I, I don't see. ever come out like Howard Hughes. <laughs> I'm the Howard Hughes of reconsidering. <laughs> you definitely are. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so my, my friend, my friend Brian and I got really into the whole the whole franchise. Then I got then we were watching them like after school, and we went through like the whole series of them, which I think was up to part six at that time. So you just kept disappointing yourself yes. over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah, we're like, huh? Huh? This isn't this, that thing. I love this. Is a could be good, I guess. Maybe <laughs> it's it's all canon. It was very similar to seeing Phantom Menace. After a while, it was right. like, I, I liked it, right? Right. I'm, I, yeah. I did. It's was, part of this thing yeah, that I like. I just need to watch it again, and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll like it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, no. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. And, and I got connected to Don't Fear the Reaper. I loved that song after, after yeah. this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until Will That's Ferrell great. ruined it forever. He made it funny again. Yeah. He certainly did. That's he, a funny he, sketch. Oh no, the sketch is brilliant. <laughs> like, uh, the sketch is brilliant. Don't get started on this. It just killed the song. Oh, it's still a great song because you can't listen to it and take it seriously now. Oh, I totally do. No, you don't. I. I it's great. You don't hear the cowbell. No. You don't hear that. You don't. Yeah, just but like, I don't picture the sketch. I can okay. separate. It. All right, I separate. I think it. its usage in the movie is is like perfect. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, don't fear death, man, because death's coming. It's right behind you. Yeah. The whole time. It's kind of obvious, huh? Well, yeah. It's a little, little heavy-handed here. Let's, get, let's come back. Let's circle back to that. Okay. We'll, we'll talk we'll, about... We'll pause on the music There's talk. some things that are a little on the nose. Well, yeah. Uh, while a lot isn't, but... Well, this is among the on-the-nose things. Yeah, that's one. Let's, yeah. let's put... I'm going to writing it on the chalkboard. Um, I got the Halloween costume and mask. Oh my gosh! And I was Michael Myers for Halloween. Very frightening. Uh, As a fifteen-year-old, I I think by this time I was sixteen. Okay, so you're just going to parties, to, like, just trouble me. Yeah. Okay. But I was very like in character, you know. Oh boy! It was. I pushed the boundaries a little bit. So you'd like walk up to people like weirdly and not not move. Yeah, and just like know. tilt your head. You yeah, know? and they that they do not they don't like that. Did you do the breathing that he does in the movie? Yeah. Uh, oh my god. They, they didn't. Nobody liked it. It worked. Let's just say it worked a little <laughs> too well. <laughs> but. That's my experience with the film. Cool. And now I've seen it many, many times, mm-hmm. and I love it every time. Mm-hmm. I know someone. In fact, I'm currently recording a podcast with someone who just saw it for the first time with me. Right. It was a few you days ago. You know who that was? Oh, that was me. No, it wasn't. No, what? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. No, it was. I didn't know if we had a special guest. We do. He's <laughs> Richard Dreyfus. It's <laughs> <laughs> still out there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I that was a I, we I don't want to keep rehashing how I'm not really a, a horror fan uh, by you know uh, with as a preference to to watching a film. Um, so this definitely was something I missed and missed on purpose after a certain point. Like I had no desire to see it, um, and uh, so it just it was just something that never happened. And then um, you know we're getting into all these great films and uh it, it was time to finally just get into it 
and uh, yeah, we watched it, and uh, I it, I really enjoyed it. Well, you're not you know as you've said before, like you you're not traditionally a horror fan. It's no. not your not your bag. Yeah, uh, but there are certain horror movies that that I'm trying to expose David to mm-hmm. uh, that are that go beyond that. That go that really um, there's something bigger than that. Yeah. Some some of them are Carpenter movies like yeah. Halloween and the Thing, mm-hmm. uh, but and you know Alien is another one that I've seen that movie. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Give me no, a break. They go beyond like they they are set in the world of a horror movie, but yeah, they're it, they're better than your you know traditional horror movies that we're. It's used not some to. cheap cheap horror movie yeah. in the sense of like just going for a quick gag, yeah. quick visual, you know, not just jump scares, things like that. This is a this is not a movie with jump scares really. This is a, a suspense movie. This is a suspense yeah. movie. Like it's and it does have a it, few. I guess, I guess ju- yeah, it has it just for that that tension release. But it doesn't but, come across as a jump scare movie. Yeah. Even no. though it does use that. I mean, it kind of st- that's that's the thing is that this is the movie that started that stuff. Right, right. Um, and it uses it kind of to perfection that I think, and then it goes over the top to a campy level as we get through the eighties. Right. Yeah. No, this is sort of establishes how to do it. And then, uh, the bar just kept getting raised, uh, beyond that. And then sort of, they just sort of leapt over it and just made it really obvious yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and everything. But this is, this is a movie where you're just staring at, at, streets and houses and people walking and talking and just you're just taking it all in mm-hmm. you, and it's just all about the tension um and 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 the suspense and you don't not knowing what's going to happen but it's not like you don't really have any reason to think something bad's going to happen just like the characters in the movie you're like along for the ride you're not just waiting like when because but there is a certain point where you know i think 35 40 minutes in it's like When's someone gonna die? <laughs> Isn't someone supposed to be killed? And it's, yeah, and but that's that's just this is how well designed this this is. It's a slow paced movie, mm-hmm. especially you know I guess I haven't I hadn't watched it in maybe two or three years, mm-hmm. and watching it again now it did hit home that it's slower paced than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think that works well because it does build the tension, but. Yeah, more or less. But what the brilliance of this movie is in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't overcomplicate anything. Mm-hmm. It's very straightforward. It's very simple. Like you said, there's static shots. I mean, there's there's moving camera too, but yeah. there are static shots where you're just watching her walk, mm-hmm. watching her walk away, mm-hmm. or watching her walk towards the camera, or you see, you know, you're over Michael's shoulder and like. He's there the whole time, and she has no idea. Yeah. Like that stuff is just so unsettling, unnerving, mm-hmm. because that's that is something that can be very real. You know, there are murderers and serial killers out there, and that's what they do. They wa- they watch you, mm-hmm. and then they strike when their moment is right, and that's essentially what's happening in this movie. Why I think you can identify with it because. While the supernatural element may not be real, uh, the rest of it definitely is grounded in reality. Yeah, well, there's something about how um, Laurie Stroud, Strode, excuse me, um, react, yeah, right. reacts to Michael that she keeps seeing a guy in a creepy mask, staring at her from a distance, showing up, and she isn't she isn't terrified like terrified like 
you know, a, a man who's stalking her in a, in a creepy mask. And it is, she isn't terrified. She just, she kind of accepts this as like normal behavior from a stranger. Like she knows the world's kind of a dangerous place in a, in a sense, uh, something like that. I, there's something to it that mm-hmm. men, she's already aware that like men act like this kind of thing. And, you know, he's not a direct threat cause he's not doing anything. You know, he, you can't prove that he's actually, there's something wrong with him just cause he's like around. Uh, I mean, standing in, in her backyard, you know, pushes that boundary, I think, you know, in the, within the clotheslines, but, uh, her re her reaction, we sort of trust her reaction to it that you, I mean, we ultimately know what's going to happen in a sense, but like, you can kind of live with her, like just sort of like, well, it's, it's a, it's a small town. It's this place. There's nothing bad, nothing crazy happens here. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, you hear these stories of what that, that Myers kid did, uh, to his sister, but like, that's not the reality that she lives in, you know? Um, but it's still, I think there's, that's, there were, that's what, what really made it interesting. You can kind of just roll with her reaction mm-hmm. and trust it. Yeah. Um, you know, she's obviously unnerved, but she, it doesn't uh, unsettle her for the whole movie. Like suddenly she's just this like frail person or something. She just like, this is a, this is a thing she's just has to deal with. Um, so it, it's sort of established her as like a strong, strong-willed person who with who's smart enough to understand like real danger like until until he starts engaging with her you know she's still safe right. she's relatively safe yeah yeah you know that's a good point you know anyway that's a lot of talking well yeah that's the uh, uh, i'm sure everyone's familiar with the plot anyone listening to this in case you're not in case you haven't watched it recently we'll just sum it up in like 60 seconds do it but and I've got a stopwatch, and now the pressure's on. I just lost three seconds. Oh my god! No, it's so it's about a uh, child who's murdered his older sister in the opening scene. Uh, we don't know why. We don't know what's what the backstory is at all, other than he's just done this. He's then we flash forward to fifteen years later. Uh, his doctor is coming to. Uh, I guess ch- I don't even remember what he's checking in on him. Yeah, at the he's, hospital. he's got the concern for him. There was he like wants a big to make concern. sure he's like he. Doctor Loomis wants to make sure that he never gets let let out of this yeah. ha- sanitarium. Really, yeah. Um, and as they pull up, suddenly all the everyone's roaming loose. Michael escapes and takes Loomis's car and is headed back to Haddonfield, Illinois where he grew up and where he had murdered his sister. Then we meet up with Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Laurie Strode, and her friends as they're, you know, living their you know, their regular teenage life, coming coming home from school. And they start, Jamie Lee, or Laurie, starts encountering Michael as he's arrived to the town. And Michael's following her, kind of keeping tabs on her. Got some, he's got some sort of plan for that night. For yeah. Halloween night, Lori is babysitting her friend. She's got another friend who's babysitting her two. Her true other friends are gonna eventually try and they're all gonna try and meet up and and uh, one by one, Michael starts eliminating them while Doctor Loomis is trying to track him down and find where he's gone. He knows he's in the town, but he doesn't know where. Right, uh, and that's when everything converges, and we have our climactic ending. 
and it's brilliant. You should all watch it if you haven't watched it recently. Boom. That was 62 something. No, that no, was 25 seconds. It's <laughs> a long 25 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> it's like Independence Day. Uh, 30 seconds. So we're in 1978. Uh, the, horror, the, horror, the horror genre is in a... Been a tailspin. It's it kind of doesn't know what no, it is at no, this okay. point, because we're we're long past the universal horror characters. All of those characters, the Dracula's, Frankenstein's, Wolfman's, are all mummies. Yeah, mummies are all uh, Jekyll and Hyde. They're uh, all sheet ghosts, <laughs> Pac-Man ghosts. They're essentially, those franchises are essentially dead yeah. in America, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, You've had a few hits in Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, mm-hmm. uh, arguably Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, and then you've got this movement of the super gory, violent, uncomfortable Wes Craven movies mm-hmm. like The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the House on the Left, um, and this is a movie that comes the right. I think the right elements came together for this movie. Mustafa Akkad and Erwin Yablins were the producers and and uh, distributors who were look or financiers who were looking to to follow up on the Exorcist's audience and do a, a horror movie with about a psycho killing babysitters. That was their general <laughs> plot line. Uh-huh. So they hired John Carpenter. People think this is a this whole thing is a John Carpenter creation. It's kind of not in that they hired him to write this movie. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't. I mean, the, yeah, the overall idea wasn't his. Yeah. All of the detail work. He wrote it. I it's mean, his. yes, he wrote the movie. The uh, It didn't originate with him, right, let's okay. just say. Got it. Uh, so he's essentially a hired gun, and part of his contract was, I'll do the movie, but my name's got to be in the title. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Yeah, that's something. So we weren't kidding. No, it's It's John Carpenter's Halloween. 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 Uh, The movie, before, again, we get into the super details of the movie, it had a huge impact. I mean, it it, uh, did take that audience and exploited it and just the whole thing exploded. I mean, it created... Uh, it couldn't have had a bigger impact because it really did create the slasher genre. Mm. Uh, people will argue that Psycho was the first slasher film, but that was also 1960, well, and that may have planted the seeds for it. Mm-hmm. But Halloween, I think, is really the movie that uh, that really launched it. And as we covered on Friday the 13th, yeah. which you can find in the archives... <laughs> Uh, that movie exploited it even further mm-hmm. and and kind of started to change the direction of it a little bit. But Halloween was the first really creative uh, vision by John Carpenter to uh, start the slasher genre. Yeah, it invited in all the, imita- not imitators, but just people that wanted to latch onto that type of Well, thing. yeah, there, I would say imitators. Yeah, you know? I mean, I guess you, a lot of those other movies don't exist without this one. You'd have some form of, you know, a horror, murder, gore fest, you know, with those other other things as inspiration. But this one really set the tone of what you can do with, you know, 
young heroes and victims. Yeah. Uh, uh, mostly uh, victims. Mostly victims. <laughs> yeah. There's always a hero at the end. Yeah. But uh, mostly victims. But Fr- uh, I mean, Friday the Thirteenth wasn't was an imitation of it, and mm-hmm. yeah, to a diff- in a different way was successful. Mm-hmm. You can argue the different franchises and how they. Because Jason is an imitation of Michael Myers. Nightmare on Elm Street does something completely different. Yeah. While still being a slasher movie, I mean, you can't really compare Freddy and Michael Myers. They're completely different takes on on that genre. Well, yeah. And what what and what uh, makes a villain? I mean, we haven't done we haven't done Friday the Thirteenth for we excuse me we haven't done Nightmare on Elm Street in uh, on our show yet, but. Uh... I mean, isn't the origins of that kind of kind of of Freddy kind of like super dark? Like, oh yeah, not he's just a, a child murder, but the original idea is a child like he's molester. A, like yeah, he I mean it's insinuated like, that like, he's a child like, rapist and murderer. Yeah, like it, it was so dark. Yeah, as, and to go into the and then I think they pulled it back a little in terms of any any anything explicit to that. Yeah, but he was still a child murderer. Like, right. I mean, nothing more more horrific. I think for you know a, a small community uh, than like some psycho who can go through your who can come and find your children. And, yeah, and all that. So this is just. But Mike Myers, Michael Myers is he's just uh, he's just, he's a unexplainable sort of force of nature. You know. Yeah. That yeah. that's exactly what. Yeah. He's you know there's no you don't have an, an origin that you don't have a, you don't need a reason for why he's doing this. This is just what he does. It's, yeah. It, he's just an evil guy, an evil thing there there. Yeah. They, in the movies, they don't, they they don't explain it and you don't need an explanation. Right. And that's part of the magic of it. And what makes it so great is he's just evil. Yeah. Uh, you don't need this like elaborate, like, no, he's an innocent kid taken over by a spirit. Like, Maybe, but we don't know that, you know, right. it's just, it's kind how, of more and, interesting not to know. And how does that help you like enjoy the film or, you know, are you supposed to be conflicted for rooting for him then at that point? Like why give it more, you know, it's interesting, I guess, if you want to tell that kind of story, but this movie just do, it, it doesn't need it. And it can, it, you care about the characters who are victims. You care about the hero. You care, you know, I, th- that's what's interesting about the slasher. You want to root for at least these early slasher films. You want to root for the people who are dying. Yeah. Versus like where, you know, Friday the thir- 13th, you, you know, as you said, they, as it got more campier, you, you were rooting for Jason to kill them. And same thing with Nightmare on Elm Street. I yeah. mean, Freddie became like an MTV icon. Yeah. 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 So like the, the movies were about Freddie's one liners mm-hmm. and not really about the kids surviving. Like most of the ones that did survive just got killed in the next movie. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and they all the and all the victims more or less, you know, they 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 were kind of just crappy people. Like they weren't, yeah, you know, like they weren't just innocent people. It, it gave you some reason to like be okay with them dying, mm-hmm. you know, because they were they they got a bad attitude, or they they do they they have their own vices, or they they're just shitty people yeah. to, to others. Um, but like, the, I really liked Halloween. That it's just it's about these three three teenage girls living their lives, their best lives <laughs> in high school. And, oh, and then, those high school years. <laughs> and Michael Myers just intersects with them. Yeah. Uh, at that particular time. And you watch it and it's like, if, if they, if Lori didn't have to drop off the key to, to the Myers house 
and because Michael was in the house when she got there, would he? Would he? If he would have probably found another victim because he sees her and that, and then he follows her, and then that's what sets everything off. It's all Laurie Strode's dad's fault. Yeah, the being, whole thing for getting into real estate. Yeah, <laughs> like, God, this is an anti-real estate movie. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is against gentrification. And <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it depends. We'll get into the sequels later, but it, it, the answer to that question depends on what uh, creative storyline you're following and if yeah. you're believing, if you're holding the line of any of the sequels. Cause the, well, let's stick with this. Yeah, let's. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, well, we'll, we'll touch on the sequels. We'll touch on like, yeah. They're not important to what we're talking about no. today. Especially with the with the new movie coming out, which is part of why we're covering this very special episode today. Yeah, uh, the new movie says, "Nope, your continuity is the first movie and this one, and that's it. Yeah. Ignore parts two through whatever." And there we go. It's like, a tr- yeah. This next one is a true sequel to yeah. the first one, and the rest are an alternate reality. Yeah. So let's let's just because we that. can do that now. Why not? Yeah. Star Trek. J.J. Abrams. Star Trek proved it. It, you can have an alternate reality. It's the, it's the best example of how you can just do it. <laughs> you can he, have everything. He changed it for us. Have he your did. cake and eat it too. You can remake a different sequel every time and just say that's the new one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but going back to the origins of the movie, we talked about uh, Erwin Yablins and Mustafa Akkad. Uh, John Carpenter was just, he was a USC uh, student who was, I think, just who was in USC just after that wave of Spielberg go Trojans. Yeah. <laughs> That's you're a big fan. Oh my God. Every Saturday. <laughs> gotta be there. Uh, gotta be. Uh, he was just after Spielberg and George Lucas and De Palma and that whole new Hollywood, new wave that I talk about. So, Endlessly. Endless. Oh God! It's like it's like me and the Hollywood New Wave, and you and Marvel. Marvel like, movies. Every time, Good Lord. <laughs> this reminds me of Iron Man Two. This movie. Wait, I just got to talk about the Vision for one second. <laughs> Vision, Scarlet Witch, greatest love story ever told. Better than Harold and Maude. Every day with me. But Carpenter is like kind of like the outsider amongst that group. Oh, he's like, he's, he's like the, he's like the rebel out of the '70s filmmakers because he has really nothing to do with any of them. Mm-hmm. They're off making their big Hollywood movies, mm-hmm. and he's making these cool, uh, you know, not all of them are horror movies, but these interesting movies that I think for most of them, uh, while certain things are dated, they stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. You know, Assault mm-hmm. on Precinct Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Is a great movie still. Halloween, The Thing, Escape from New York, Jeez, uh, no. Big Trouble in Little China, which yeah. we barely talk about on right. this show, but that's mm-hmm. because there will come a time where it's just going to explode on Reconcinimation. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an event. Yeah. It's an event movie for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> event podcast. We're going to like cover that show from the set of Big Trouble in Little yeah, China. Yeah, that's how extreme we're going to go with this. I got a couple of guys with hammers and nails putting that set back together <laughs> <Yeah>. right now <laughs> for more than minimum wage, I'll tell you. Oh, well, it's good. You're playing You're, you're paying them <laughs> I'm, right. I'm, I'm digging deep in the pockets. Oh, good for, for you. That's good. <laughs> uh, but Carpenter's coming off of, this is his third film. 
he's coming off of Dark Star, which is basically his graduate film, you know, mm-hmm. his 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 uh, student film. Mm-hmm. A little more than that, but uh, Stacy Keach is that who's in that? No, it's Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon, that's right. Who we talked about on Return of the Dead, which you can listen to in the archives. <laughs> uh, and then Assault on Precinct Thirteen, which is another great movie that. Um, which on its own is is basically a another version of Night of the Living Dead, but with a gang instead of zombies, and hmm. uh, it's like the police and criminals instead of the people in the house. But yeah. we'll, we'll cover that movie another time. But uh, a great movie, I highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah, get uh, call it up on your queues, everybody. Call it up, call it up. Amazon Prime it, Hulu, Huluween Hulu. it. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hip. <laughs> yeah, look at look at you with that Hulu promotion. <laughs> it's Huluween on Hulu.com. This episode has been brought to you by Huluween. Hulu. <laughs> uh, cool. So he wrote the movie. He gets hired. He writes the movie. He claimed he wrote it in 10 days. Deborah Hill, who was his producing partner at the time and, I, and his girlfriend for some period of time in his early years yeah uh she said it was more like 20 to 30 days okay. it took him to write it mm-hmm. i don't know the truth might be somewhere in the middle there let's That's call it two weeks two and a half weeks two and a half weeks all right yeah, I fine. that's fine but yeah. that's a still uh for any screenplay that's a quick turnaround yeah well i mean like a quick turnaround. Again, that goes back to the simplicity of the story. That it's it's he's not getting stuck on things by overcomplicating them. Yeah, it's like A leads to B leads to C. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of crazy back and forth or time jumping like everybody does now. Yeah, where you, they show you the climax at the beginning. Yeah, and then how how do you get there? No, 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 no. Like no. the We're movie didn't the movie didn't start with Loomis holding Michael Myers at gunpoint. That oh, didn't no, start. That there. would have been awesome. Oh man! Oh, dude! <laughs> that Marvel would have done that. Oh man, they would do it great. <laughs> uh, but they shot the movie in twenty days, so yeah, real quick. Uh, you know, one month production. Yeah, Holy quick cow. prep, a quick shoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all location work. There's no stages. There's no building anything. It's yeah. all just ran uh, out a couple of houses. Yeah, in uh, Pasadena. Uh, yeah, South Pasadena and a little nice. bit in Hollywood. All right. Um, the budget was $300,000. Now, that wor- totally worked in Carpenter's to his benefit because these producers, they were used to doing these. I think they did. I want to say it's Lion in Winter, but that might not be the right movie. Uh, they were used to you know movies being shot in Europe where they're spending like 300000 a day. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I can make this movie in 300000 period. <laughs> What? And he wasn't even taking any. He waived his all his fees and everything. He got paid like $10,000, and that's it. I mean, I think he probably had some back points ends. on the back end. but yeah. uh, So they were like, oh, yeah, all right, go ahead. Here, go do your thing. Oh, wow. So they were a little, like, hands-off. You know, also, they, they worked with him in the idea phase, mm-hmm. and then they kind of backed off and let him, like, make the movie. Oh. Which is great. Yeah. And, that's, that's and this great. is where Carpenter is at his best, where he – a lot of directors work more creatively when they don't have a huge budget to work with. Yeah. And I think you've seen that with Carpenter, that yeah. the bigger his budget got, you look at his movies in the 90s and 2000s, like, the worse they were. Like, he's someone that maybe needed a, a, a small budget to really, like, mm-hmm. 
he needed to work within a box, you know. Yeah, are and you, that was his best stuff. Are you saying Vampires isn't a isn't a good movie? Um, I'll be right back. <laughs> I saw that in the theater, by the way. They shot it in Santa Fe when I was in school there. Holy cow! I knew guys who were camera PAs on it. Well, they must have been like super popular. They were <laughs> big men on campus. I met a guy who uh, probably did lowest tier. I don't even know what he did. He but he he worked on the Dark Knight in uh, Chicago, and then he was doing some student film, and everyone was like, "Oh, he did oh, the yeah. Dark Knight!" Like, I'm like, "Oh my he god, did the Dark Knight!" Like, okay, yeah, sure he did. Like, <laughs> but he was our sound mixer on this like student film. Yeah, <laughs> like, big timing. You know, he had a he had an attitude. He had a he was a nice guy. He had an attitude. He did have an attitude. One from day. hell. From hell. The sound guy. <laughs> uh, so when he's casting this movie, who did he put in this thing? Jamie Lee Curtis, big star. Yeah, not, she was a huge then. star back then, and couldn't believe he got her for a song. Jamie Lee is the <laughs> daughter of Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> Janet Lee. Janet Lee, excuse me. And, uh, I mix up my stars. Tony Curtis. Major stars of the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Of course, Janet Lee was most famously known for her role in Psycho, mm. uh, which there are... She played the Psycho. She's she's the Psycho killer in Psycho. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Uh, so there, people draw a lot of ties between Halloween and Psycho. And that's obvious. this is an obvious reason why. Sure, but, yeah. But Jamie Lee was an unknown at the time. I mean, yeah. she did some TV or something, right? Yeah, she'd done a couple of TV episodes, uh, but nothing really like major, major. And this is her first movie role. Yeah, and you can see it. Like you can see in her performance, like you're learn. You, this is your first shot, and you're learning. And <laughs> obviously, her acting chops grew as as oh, yeah. she went along. But um, but she's totally captivating. Like yeah. she's definitely she's definitely the star. Yeah, I was saying that to you while we we're watching it. They're like halfway through, and I'm like, just every time the camera's on her, like you, you can tell this this girl's a star. Like she's because you know she's got two other friends. These uh, and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on their names at the moment. Uh, PJ Souls and, uh, and Nancy, Nancy Loomis. Loomis. Yeah, they. You know, obviously, you know they aren't. They're the supporting characters, but like between the three of them like she's just a star like we're, she's just uh, there's just something she's got that it thing you know she's just it she i, I think commands your attention mm-hmm. like when when there's multiple people in the shot i just i'm always looking at her yeah it, and it, drooling there's oh gosh yeah the, <laughs> that's just a physical problem yeah your right t-shirt now, was soaked by the end of the movie <laughs> like, like oh so, sorry. sorry david you got another shirt i can <laughs> borrow um but uh, Carpenter gave her a fear meter to work with as they shot the movie. Mm. So it would he would give her a number, and that was going to be her level of of fear that she was going to play in that scene. Oh, okay. So, oh. which was kind of a good, I think, a good tool for especially a, a newer actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, and for most of the movie, that she's at a zero. You know, like yeah. it's not until it becomes a legitimate th- threat right in the like the last in the last reel like the whole time the well, third act well, she's with she's with uh she's babysitting and yeah. and doing that whole thing while well, whatever is happening across the street like she doesn't know any of that yeah she doesn't even see it or get a sense of it yeah it's it this guy was stalking her all day and then she's just like doing her job as a babysitter not even thinking that 
you could be out there. She's not like looking over her shoulder. Like she just happens to catch him, but she wasn't uh, like afraid of him. She wasn't. It's it's right. So, she was a little a, a little maybe a little unnerved. Unnerved. I mean, yeah. She reacts to him in the clothesline, but but like once she's once he's sort of out of her view, she can kind of go back to her life, and then you know I guess enough time goes by where it's like all right she's babysitting the the kid, Tommy or Tommy Tommy yeah. and Tommy uh, Doyle. Tommy Doyle and uh, and then he you know he claims he sees the boogeyman he's the only like, one who sees he, it he like, sees the guy and she's just like what are you talking about go, go watch TV you know <laughs> cram it kid if I were I got, gonna make a sequel <laughs> I'd have Tommy be the lead and the only person I'd have him play mm-hmm. or have play that character would be Paul Rudd yes. but play it seriously <laughs> no humor the dr- most the dramatic turn for Paul oh wait Rudd that is. really happened oh my god oh. Halloween 7 Six. Six. The curse of Michael Myers. Again, we'll come back to that later. Sorry for interrupting, David. I know you you love it when I interrupt you. Yeah, I don't even know what I was talking about. Don't worry about it. Um, Donald Pleasance is the other, obviously, major actor in the movie. He plays Dr. Sam Loomis, who is named after... Nancy? Sam Loomis Let's... from oh, wait, Psycho. Oh, uh, Psycho, yeah. Another Psycho connection. Yeah. Not the same character, okay? That would have like, been cool. That would have been that actually would have been kind of cool. If yeah, he connects twenty years later. Like this is what Sam Loomis is doing, but not to be no. different. Different worlds. Yeah. Uh, originally, the part was offered to Peter Cushing, who was coming off of Star Wars. Oh yeah. Yes, we call it Star Wars here. We don't call it New Hope. We don't call it Episode Four. It's Star Wars. Um, okay. And all right, just chill out. Okay. About it. All right. Uh, and Christopher Lee uh, turned the movie down, and he admitted later that this was like his one major career regret was having turned down the Loomis role. That's fascinating. I think he would have been great. Oh yeah, yeah, he'd be fantastic. Uh, that's funny that he would ha- actively say that though. Like he regrets not being in Halloween. Well, I think it's a, Loomis is a compelling character. Yeah, and a lot of Christopher Lee's characters were. I think he did a lot with them, but as far as how they were written, was sort of one note. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably saw he could have taken Loomis in, you know, a, a different direction and really like brought in, brought something out of him. I guess so, but didn't happen. Didn't happen. So that's why he regrets it. Sorry, Christopher Lee. Yeah, your loss. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Go back. But to Donald your... Pleasance is great. I mean, Pleasance is a great, uh, great actor who was in. You Only Live Twice, mm-hmm. uh, The Great Escape, lots mm-hmm. of kind of World War II movies. Very good actor. We did talk about him in Escape from New York, which you can find in the archives. Mm-hmm. Check that one out. Please do. Our very first episode, our debut episode, as we, we called several of our first episodes. Yes, that's true. We didn't know what was going to air. <laughs> that's what happens when you record a bunch in advance and then you <laughs> pick one later. Uh and then we've got a kind of a slew of, of uh, other actors who are John Carpenter kind of staples for some of his early movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned P.J. Souls and Nancy Loomis. Uh, Nancy Loomis plays, uh, or she appeared in Assault on Precinct 13. She shows up in Halloween 2. Hmm. She, um, she does? She does. Oh, interesting. Spoiler alert. Uh-oh. Back from the dead. It's time. zombies. <laughs> it's all zombies. Yes. Yeah. No, but she is in Halloween too. Briefly, is she Annie? 
Yeah, huh? Oh. Oh, now you want to see Annie's it. Annie's back, baby. <laughs> and this time she wants revenge. Yeah, she's wearing the mask. It's Annie versus Myers. <laughs> uh, Charles Cyphers, who plays uh, Annie's Annie's dad, Sheriff Brackett. Sheriff Brackett. Sheriff Lee Brackett, who is named after a uh, famous writer. Lee Brackett. Lee Brackett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always thought that first scene where where Lori bumps into Sheriff Brackett outside of their house a little uncomfortable. I like Charles Cyphers a lot as an actor, mm-hmm. but they're like too close to each other, and there's something about the way he's looking at her that's like a little creepy. Oh, really? I don't think it was intentional. It was just yeah, like mm, maybe not the right take sh- to use yeah. for this one. <laughs> you shouldn't look at your daughter's friend like that. It's, uh, but there is. Uh, but that, but he's not. It's not like he yeah. checks out her ass or something. Yeah, he's just he's just looking at her. But that's that carpenter thing of like he's, he's he fills the frame with these two people. Yeah, you know, or or they're gonna be standing sixty feet away from the camera. Yeah, and this was just that that uncomfortable closeness that you see in a lot of his shots. As I'm learning, as I watch these carpenter movies, we should pop in vampires. By the way, oh yeah, yeah, James Woods. Mm, pass. Okay. <laughs> we won't get into that. Okay. <laughs> Good movie, though. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, uh, yeah. yeah, all these actors. Uh, oh, they're great actors. Great actors. Yeah. Uh, Charles Cyphers shows up in Escape from New York and a few other uh, Carpenter movies. He's also in Assault on Precinct 13. So he's mm-hmm. got his kind of core group of people that he uh, works with at this point in his career. Yeah. Um, we mentioned the nodding to... Psycho. There's also some other nods to uh, John Carpenter was a big Howard Hawks fan. Mm-hmm. So you see uh, the um, the kids are watching The Thing and Forbidden Planet. Mm-hmm. The Thing, the original The Thing, which was titled The Thing from Another World, yeah. is a Howard Hawks movie. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he, there, there are elements to those movies that he likes to, to kind of go back to. But. So, so it wasn't like uh, monkey business or bringing up baby. No. It was like his no. influence here. <laughs> <laughs> he stole a lot of shots from bringing up baby. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's what I read. Uh, Carpenter, when he's kind of planning the movie out, visited a um, psychiatric ward in Kentucky where he was where where you go. From, where you go to where you study go. how to make a movie yeah about anything That's really film you go to a psych ward of, uh, <laughs> but he saw a kid who was just like completely deadpan had no emotion was just kind of like had dead eyes mm-hmm. and uh and that's kind of like what triggered the creation of the michael myers character mm-hmm. like what if a kid was like evil and right. killed some heartlessly killed somebody which in turn out to be his sister and yeah so on and so forth but huh. uh that's kind of the the basis for the character as well as he was trying to make he wanted to like set out to make a traditional haunted house story mm-hmm. so this is kind of a mix of a few different elements uh there's there's a few different themes going on some of them are are you know arguable about uh, especially the stance on women and whether or not this movie is kind of misogynistic. Hmm. Uh, there's a, I mean, what do you? How do you feel about his take on on women fighting against this this uh, unstoppable force? 
Um, well, uh, I mean, um, like there's a theory that I need to, I need, mm. there's a theory that, that can the female survive on her own or does she need, does the male have to, have to save her? Because particularly in this, you mean yeah, specifically yeah. In, in this, in this movie, talking, in, specifically yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Well, because yeah, Doctor Lewis en- ends up saving her, but yeah, she, she she fends him off twice. Well, and that's the thing. Like, and the critics argued that she wasn't. She's not a resourceful character. No, oh, I disagree. I disagree entirely. Yeah. Like, she's using every resource at her. You know. When she's in the closet, she's using the coat hanger. She he drops the knife. She picks it up and stabs him. She uses the the sewing, uh, the knitting needle. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. she's definitely resourceful. And had this guy been a regular human, yeah, she definitely would have killed him. Yeah, I guess it, that's the thing. Well, I couldn't tell if like she just wasn't getting the right shot in. You know, like when she stabs him and all of that, like. He's just like you don't have to answer it like oh he's like immune to pain he's like he's eventually he's just gonna because he's like laying on the ground a couple a couple of times and, yeah and she's just sort of like thinking he's dead like or or he's, and he should be he sh- I guess he should be um, but it, it it so it is kind of like it's just written that she it, it almost makes it if you look at it with hindsight like well she should have made sure he was dead or whatever so she's kind of. She may she may have got a blow in, but she didn't actually kill him. So and then she was kind of dumb about it. Like you could put a real cynical spin on it, but mm-hmm. I think reasonably, I, I don't know. I, I think she is. I agree with you. Resourceful. Um, she didn't. She needed help at the very end, but you know, re, within reason, she she should have won. Like you yeah. know, she probably she probably could have still ended him. Uh, but Loomis intervened. Yeah, know. well, I, I, yeah, I think, I think it was it was done correctly that like she would have killed him probably three separate times. But at this point, she's she's kind of out of gas, you yeah. know, and that has nothing to do with her being a woman and and him being a man. Yeah, I, I, you, you also needed something like Loomis had to actually do something. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. He stood around most of the time. He's waiting around that entire movie. Yeah. In the beginning of the movie, when Michael uh, hijacks the car and he's attacking the nurse in the car, you see Loomis had walked off to to take care of this car thing. There's no way he didn't see this all happening. Like none of it doesn't even make sense that he he suddenly you know before Michael can kill the kill the nurse. He ends up rescu- I think rescuing her. Oh, he getting didn't, her out he of- didn't kill that nurse. Well, no, but didn't Loomis pull her out of the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 At the, but it took like a minute. Like, yeah. what was he doing? Like, so he's useless there. He's useless throughout while well, all this action's going on, and luckily, just comes comes across this all happening at, at the right time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that, he's walking. He's trying to find him on the street, and the kids run out of the house. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of blind luck that blind he happened luck. to be walking down that street when the kids ran out of the house. And that's another bit to her resourcefulness is that she protects the she kids. She protects the kids and gets them out. She gets them to safety, essentially. Yeah. So I think this is, you know, I, I, I think a cynical person would say that this is some sort of like hostile reaction to feminism or, you know, or, or downgrading, or, you know, downplaying you know a woman's strengths or whatever but like i don't i don't think this is a, i don't think it has a real feminist statement to it i just i th- i guess it i guess it does but it doesn't 
don't know. I kind of feel like to. it does. Like, yeah. mean, she is a strong character. Yeah. Um, and she does survive. Yeah. Yeah, at the, at the end of the movie, she's alive, and Michael Myers is gone. Uh, she survives. Her friends didn't, you know? Right. Her friends are killed. Yeah. Quite easily. And and then that leads to the next one that, you know, is is this film a morality play in that, that you know, sex equals death, and that because she's, a, you know, a, a, I don't know if she's a virgin, but because she's staying she's not promiscuous and mm-hmm. having premarital sex that you know does that is that what carpenter's saying that clean yeah. living is sort of gonna you'll be saved because you're you're living a clean life i think you i think you can make that case um be, but i think it's a it's one of those you can kind of s- you see what you're what you want to see in this kinds of things i mean i think it's just straightforward i mean it, it and i think it you know, Lori is, you know, she doesn't talk like her friends talk about boys and partying and and um, and her, her, her Annie's like a total jerk to her, like because she's so different that Lori is intellectual. She's like she studies, mm-hmm. you know, she's like she they're real different from each other. Yeah. The like three girls. Yeah, they're all different and they're all and they're all friends like, so you know, they're not like. Like Lori doesn't have a problem with her friend talking to her like this, mm-hmm. and like they're gonna hang out later. Like they're gonna try to hang out while they're babysitting. Like it's just kind of like this is just three different women who you know I I, I don't know. I I've I've heard a lot of people talk about how kind of ridiculous that uh, her friends are in the movie, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like I had friends growing up that. Like when we hung out with each other, we're kind of like jerks to each other too. Sure. So yeah. like the way they talk to each other may sound dated when you're watching it now, mm-hmm. but I think in in the moment of being a teenager, that yeah, they're not always they're kind of jerks to each other sometimes. Yeah. And, and yeah. you can still be friends and kind of like that's where you kind of vent stuff out. You yeah. Know? Well, and it could be that teenage thing, or you you know you're trying to establish your identity, so mm-hmm. you're and you're going to reject somebody else's identity, like. Clearly, Annie doesn't wouldn't live the life that Laurie does, but mm-hmm. you know, and she's making it known. Like, but that's kind of what you do as a teen, you know. If even though you might care about her, care about your friends or whatever, you know, she's establishing for the, at least for the audience and, and and as a reminder to to them, like she ain't into that. Yeah. Like so, yeah, yeah. It, it, so it all it does kind of work. Like I mean, yeah, Annie kind of sucks as a friend to Laurie, but. That's not. That's not my judgment. You know, Laurie's yeah. friends with her. Well, I think <laughs> that's. I, I think it's a very real thing that that teenagers, at that age, mm-hmm. a lot of it, a lot of their interactions are motivated by sexual activity. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there are definitely people who, if they have the chance to, um, get out of their responsibility to go, you know, shag a little. Yeah. We'll do it. Sure. Yeah, you take those so, opportunities. Yeah, the stuff I don't think Annie is like out of line with real life there that No. Oh, you know, Lori's across the street also babysitting is definitely not doing anything social. My boyfriend just found a way out way to get out for the night. Yeah, yeah. Like I can totally pass this kid off. Like it's across the street. Yeah, it's fine. What's the worst that could happen? Right, right. Yeah. Uh it, it it all it all it does all sort of ring true and it doesn't 
and the, again, you're sort of you you're hoping these victims aren't going to be victims. You're you're not yeah. like wait like that. Oh, she kind of deserved it because she was like she's a bad person, and and then she was being foolish. Like it, she's just being a teen, like being a teenager. These people are living their lives in this suburban life. Like, I I definitely don't. I mean, I don't love Annie or Linda no. as a character, but you're not really supposed to. Right, but I definitely don't feel like they deserve to die for anything that they're doing. No, they they don't deserve any comeuppance, like in any way. Like it doesn't matter. Uh, in in the you know in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, especially, um, they really sort of, especially in the later movies, they really play it up that you know the the they play it up that the sex is asking for Jason to come. It's almost like calling him. Yeah, yeah. There are certain movies where the way they edit it. Is that he is being awoken oh, from well, whatever? Oh gosh! Because sex is happening nearby, right? And he's got to stop it. Yeah, this I think just uh, this is this is different in that it's not really they're not trying to use the, that stuff as catalyst, but just uh, this is just what happened on that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I buy the the psychosexual like angle where. You know, he's just killing them because they're having sex. Because there's probably a million people in that town that night having I mean, sex. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> like he he just happened to run across them. Yeah. So they and they happened to be doing that that night. Like that's it. Like he yeah. he decided to stalk her, to stalk Laurie, and then her friends who were right there. Like, and 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 I think you know, especially teenagers who are so in you know, uh, engrossed in sexual activity are going to have their blinders on to like everything else and not clue in on maybe there's something odd happening here. Maybe they're like, this doesn't feel right. Cause they're just distracted by right. their emotions. Right. 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 So it, what it doesn't surprise me that Linda doesn't really like, I don't know, detect that there's danger right there. The whole, the whole time she's in the house with Bob, mm-hmm. you know, that Michael's in there watching them. You know? Yeah. Well, how? Yeah. How would you see? I mean, he's in the darkness. Yeah. He's, you know, he's he's made himself. He's in the periphery at all times mm-hmm. until he decides to show himself. Yeah. So uh, that's not by any fault of. I'm of, frightened of just thinking characters. about this right now because <laughs> no. he's probably like five feet away, staring at me from the yeah. other room. Anyway, uh, um, the, uh, we mentioned before the the. Another really frightening thing is the the dangers of suburban life, that this can happen and does happen in sure. small towns everywhere. Yeah, people people kill other people there everywhere. Were, I'm not going to name any names, but in in my town growing up, when I was in fourth grade, uh, there was the mother of a, someone in our class who would jog around our high school track every. I don't know if it was every morning, but, you know, often, regularly Uh would uh, do that. And there was so one afternoon, a friend who normally went with her couldn't reach her. She hadn't come back from running the track. Mm. Uh, And it turns out a student had was waiting in the woods, watching, waiting till she was alone, ran out of the woods Mm. and stabbed her to death. And then he went right into class. Whoa! With I had the teacher who whose class he went into, and he walked in with blood all over him. Sat down in class like nothing had happened. Whoa! 
Oh my gosh. And that lady was dead out on the high school track. You know, it was Oh my gosh. And and we couldn't live in a smaller town. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But uh that's so that right. yeah, I mean that stuff happens and that and that's like what's happening here is yeah. the the scariest thing about Michael Myers, and this is different from all of the other uh serial kill you know, slasher killers, characters of the eighties and nineties is that he's most of what he does is watching and hiding and waiting and yeah. plotting something out and you know in the later movies it gets more elaborate and ridiculous but yeah. um, especially in the first you know two movies he's uh, just that that's the scariest thing is just seeing him there and plain like daylight in the first half of the movie yeah you know he's stalking Tommy around this that's one of the creepiest shots oh, is him. God stalking Tommy like around the school yeah and like in today's modern age at least my head was going in a very dark direction oh yeah from what we've seen in reality and in movies now but then he just drives off like he just gets real close and then he just keeps going yeah oh that was that was intense (laughs) yeah that was and it goes on just a little too long yeah well because it is that one just that one or from when from inside the car and then going around one block taking the corner and meeting up basically just and then alongside him and then just driving off and it it's just that carpenter thing of just these lingering shots of just something is like and you don't know what's going to happen yeah but it's not so suspenseful that something (laughs) excuse me it's not so suspenseful that something has to happen yeah but boy you don't know like yeah uh, and then the characters on screen live in a, sort of an, an oblivious life yeah like i mean at that point tommy doesn't you know he, he again he's too wrapped up in his own emotions and yeah he just got into a fight fight a he just lost his his uh jack-o'-lantern oh yeah yeah, yeah. so tough uh yeah that was the most important that was the biggest worry for him was mm-hmm. his, his broken pumpkin yeah not the not the creepy guy in the mask driving alongside him. <laughs> he didn't notice. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> but it's all in broad daylight, and that's mm-hmm. you know, not not cool. You would think that uh, Lori might have called called the cops on the third time she saw the guy in the white mask. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, and we didn't mention it when she when she sees him in the clothesline. Like, we see her come to the window we cut to her point of view we see michael staring at her mm-hmm. we cut back to her then we cut back to the clothesline and he's gone and right. then that's when she reacts like that's our first kind of moment of this surreal mysticism you know mystical yeah. like how how would that have yeah, happened it, yeah because as it's cut it, it would seem that he disappeared while she was looking at him right so which doesn't make which sense. that is what she that's yeah. what she's reacting to yeah. not the not that he's a creepy guy looking at her because in her mind she probably thinks it's some teenage boy it is playing. Halloween day you know yeah so it's not abnormal for people to you know be in masks doing creepy annoying things but the disappearing part yeah. which isn't really touched on like it doesn't she doesn't bring that up with anybody I guess are we supposed to believe that he literally disappeared I yeah I mean. Or is it just like a poor edit? Oh, it's definitely not a poor edit. That's completely intentional. Because I just don't really buy that he disappears. You think they just splice the wrong footage in? Is that what you, is that what you're saying? Or, is that yeah, what you're or the idea that she... But like, Listen, I've got John Carpenter 
in the waiting. He's in the green room with Dreyfus Get right him in now. Here. Get him in here. You want? I'll take him. You want to go with him? All right, all right. I'm just curious. I'll be right, I'll be right back. I don't buy that. That the intention was specifically that he disappeared, but right. that he is just he can evade. He he's gone. Like, yeah. You don't need to see him run off because he's just gone. Yeah. He's just there and he's not. Uh, there's not. It's a little less. It's a little less. It's not explicit. It's just that's mm-hmm. the that's the the idea of him. It doesn't really matter, but I don't think he's teleporting around town. <laughs> I guess. <it's>, <laughs> that's how it sounds. That would just be. That would really put this movie over the top. <laughs> if he teleported and it goes, boo, <laughs> pops stabs. up in a Seven Eleven, like stealing a Slurpee, <laughs> oh, back to the Myers house. Yeah. Um, another really creepy shot. I think the one that the first shot. Um, it's not the first shot in the movie at all, but the first shot that really sunk in with me as being really disturbing was when Lori's in the house. And Michael just kind of like appears out of the darkness behind her. Yeah, like he's just—he is the darkness. He's a part of the darkness. He's the dark. Yeah, she did. Yes, it's just shot so perfectly. The the real the even after friends are murdered, this this is when the real terror starts. Yeah, like when it when it's now when he's going after Laurie. Like that's yeah, you feel because she's finally afraid. Like. Once she's finally afraid, now like now I'm kind of terrified. Yeah, of like you know, it's creepy and there's just jump scares and he murders these other people that you've already seen. But there's like this climax is a is a climax. It's it's so well done. That yeah. Now that she's afraid and trying to take care of business, you're afraid along with her. I, I, that's what's yeah. so magical about this. I, I don't think like you you can't that shot. I think I don't think there's a way that shot can't unnerve you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's because it's so like, you know, we're all surrounded by darkness a lot of the time, and just imagine that, like, there's something inside that darkness that is just gonna can just lean in out. and be there, yeah, right yeah. behind you, like that. Ah, that's it. Now I'm not gonna sleep tonight. <laughs> right. Good thing it's almost morning. Here in Reconsider the Studios? We've been, yeah, we've been here. We're pulling an all-nighter Oof, tonight. Yeah, it's been a long night. We covered all of the Halloween movies in reverse. Yes. And we're so, finally and we'll air this. them over the next few years. <laughs> so, But <laughs> we all recorded them tonight. <laughs> the blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. But before, before we go any further on that... Yeah. Is it... You know, we haven't we've we've skipped a week here and there, but mm-hmm. it feels like it feels like I'm being compelled to go to the corner. Well, let's go to the corner. Well, let's go. Oh. Come on. All right, all right. I can't. And it. I'm I'm in my golden chair in the corner. It's a little I'm, dusty over here. Yeah, we haven't been here in a minute, but yeah. All right, we can do this real quick, John. Let's take a look. Uh, I got a couple questions for okay. you, Johnny. Fire, fire is, away. Is Kurt Russell in this movie? You know, it damn well feels like he should be. It's a freaking John Carpenter movie, yeah. but it's before they met each other, right. so he is not, sadly. Uh, okay, that's, that's the unfortunate truth. Yes, he is not. Um, well, because he's not in this movie, um, who's got the best hair? Oh, you gotta go. Oh, oh you gotta, you gotta go, Jamie Lee. Gotta go, Jamie Lee. You gotta go, Jamie Lee. Beautiful. I kind of like Sheriff Brackett's hair. It's so, like, <laughs> just that... Slick kind of comb over. What about Bob's just wild mop? Doesn't Bob look like Ryan O'Neill? 
I don't know. I think he looks exactly <laughs> like Ryan O'Neal. I think you're right. I looked him up. That's that guy's only role. Like, he has, yeah. he's not, he's, <laughs> Bob did not springboard uh, off of <laughs> this to anything. Well, all right. Well, we know who's got the best hair. So, l- listen. If, uh, if it was 1978, could 1978 Kurt Russell fit into this movie? Could we, could we see him? 1978 Kurt. Ooh. Uh, he could be Bob. Yeah, I think that. I think it, Bob's the role for him. Bob, Bob would probably be the only one he could play. We just, you know, there would be a totally different movie because he wouldn't have gotten killed. No, yeah, he'd end up. He would have ended up just strangling Michael Myers yeah. to death. So definitely, like Michael would have jumped out of the closet and grabbed him, and he just would have shut pie faced Michael Myers right back <laughs> right. in the closet. This movie, and it would have ended there in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, finally, you need to connect Kurt. To one of our special stars of oh. this film. All right, give, give me. But we're gonna make it. You know, there's some obvious things here. So what you're gonna do? Can you connect Kurt Russell to Jamie Lee Curtis? But you can't connect them into a John Carpenter movie since we're in a John Carpenter movie. They've technically been in John Carpenter movies together, in a sense. Can you get there? Go outside. Um, I'm. I just did. Oh my god! I gotta hear this. And I probably, you guys who are listening, you probably think that like keep like this is a planned segment. Yeah. I literally just thought of it, and and while David was talking, I I put that together. Yeah. Well, I I, I come at John with surprises uh, as as often as I can. So, gimme. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis to Arnold Schwarzenegger, True Lies. Arnold mm-hmm. to Stallone in was it lock not lock up. Uh, Breakout, whatever that prison Cop movie wins. is. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one from a few years ago, but yeah. also any of the Expendables movies. Uh-huh. Stallone, The Curtain, Tango and Cat. There it is. Oh, beautiful. Boom. Oh, I like Boom. that. Boom. Um, I, I, I needed some assistance okay. on this. What did you come up with? What, well, did, your, what did your computer, <laughs> the computerized <laughs> the computer. man of the 1990s, David Munchak, <laughs> what did you come up I with? I went on my dial-up. Uh, so, uh, Is that net zero? Did you it, use that? Yeah, I okay. use my... Uh, AOL. <laughs> so, Kurt Russell was in The Thing. <laughs> he was. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't do it. Can't do a Carpenter movie. So, Kurt Russell was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Two? Two. With uh, Sean Gunn. Mm-hmm. Sean Gunn was actually in Pearl Harbor. Wow. He's probably in a really small role. But uh, and Sean Gunn was in... Uh, trading Places with Dan Aykroyd. Probably wait. Also a small role. Wait, wait. No, wait. You no, missed something there. No, Dan Aykroyd was in Pearl Harbor. Dan Aykroyd was in Pearl Harbor. Wait, so Sean... Okay. So Sean... Sorry. Sean Guardians Gunn to, to Pearl... Sean Gunn's in Pearl, Pearl Harbor, Harbor with Dan Aykroyd? Dan Aykroyd, yeah. Wow. And then Dan Aykroyd to Trading Places. With Jamie Lee. With Jamie Lee Curtis. That is a... That is a yeah, yeah, that's, that's a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. Boom. All right. Yeah. Computer help me. Totally helped me. Yeah, I didn't know Sean Gunn was in Pearl Harbor. He's probably in it for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Sean Gunn. What a great corner. We learned something. We learned a couple of things, like we do every week. Oh, this was. Uh, it was nice to come back here. I love talking about Kurt. I hope we can talk about him again. Soon. I can't wait to talk to Kurt about Kurt. We're gonna very soon. Like I, I hope he calls back. We've got a big anniversary next year. Oh. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to let the 
You're letting cats out all day long, but I'm not letting the cat out of this bag. <laughs> I love letting cats out. <laughs> All right. Well, we better we, let's get back to the let's let's can we get resume? back to on topic here. Back okay. to the cod 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 past. Cod the cod the cat past. Talk. All right. Let's go. Uh, anyway, back to Halloween. Was the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. In uh, another element that is not really addressed in this movie, but it is addressed a lot in the. Uh, the book version of the, the the book from this movie, the novelization. The novelization. There's a lot more uh, to the backstory involving right. Sam Hain and the this the tradition the of festival. Yeah, uh-huh. that like hundreds of years ago, this I think it's like a Celtic murder that that's like a ritual that's happened, and the spirits from that is what's like you in the novelization. You see a young Michael Myers before he kills his sister and he's hearing these voices Ugh. and you see, see like I haven't read it but I've heard it's actually it's an interesting take on it that mm-hmm. like you see scenes with his mother and his grandmother and they're talking about how Michael's acting stranger and acting differently but it's not really done in like a cheesy way mm-hmm. part of it's because it's a book and not you're not seeing it as a movie um, thank god they never did it in one of any of the movies but yeah. um so you do kind of get like, oh, there was a kid, Michael My- like Michael Myers was like a average kid who's you know been yeah. taken over, and then that that's never let go. Like he's never come back. Yeah, it's not something that came and went and was possessed like like in The Exorcist. It like right. took him, and that's it. Yeah, that's um, that's that on its own is its own is is an interesting story. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I like the idea like. Of this hall of this movie sort of existing on its own, like I'm not really interested in the sequels, and you know, like Friday the Thirteenth. After seeing that for the first time, I've and then learning more about it, like I'm more into the idea of the rest of them. But as a singular, those are, story, and those are different. Like I know, but I like this singular story of this, and I and I understand why people want to expand upon it. Mm-hmm. Like, and you write the write the. The, those novelizations or do sequels and try to expand on it but sometimes things are just good the way they are you know yeah i don't know and and i'm a fan of not uh not having everything spoon-fed and explained to me right i like questions i like mm-hmm. i like leaving a movie with a certain amount of questions mm-hmm. you know i don't like things to be illogical and i have you know questions as far as that goes sure but um but the unanswerable questions yeah. like aren't necessarily needed or, you know, don't need to be answered. Yeah. Like we said earlier, I mean, I, you don't need to know why he's doing this. He yeah. just is. But don't you want to know how he became Darth Vader starting when he was six years old? Yeah. It's a uh, little Annie, the, the sweet, little, little Annie, sweet little Annie, Anakin, Annie? My, Michael Myers. That how does was he his become, name. How does he become Anakin, <laughs> Michael Myers, Skywalker, <laughs> star killer. That's the, that's the stuff people want. Um, and there's a lot of similarities to uh, yet another movie that you can find in the archives of our of Reconcinimation. Uh, there's a parallel between Michael Myers and Jaws. Mm-hmm. That it's an unstoppable, unseen evil who's just you know relentless and coming after after these characters and won't stop till it 
gets whatever it wants. Right. Hmm. Sharks aren't, sharks aren't evil, though. I'm just going to point that out. Uh, yeah, they are. Jaws no. told me sharks are No. Good. Sharks are good. Sharks, sharks are, are just natural. They're like the oldest creatures in the on evil. the earth. Look at their mouth. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> Look, with all those teeth, evil. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? If, if you've got more than six teeth, you're evil. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> um, voyeurism is another element that's present. Uh, with we, we, we kind of already talked about with uh, the small, term, you know, the the dangers of suburban life, mm-hmm. but you know the way he's always watching and observing everything is just um unsettling yes. to say the least we kind of already covered that yeah uh the along with the slasher genre this kind of created the the quote-unquote final girl mm-hmm. uh yeah. idea concept mm-hmm. we we like to refer to it as the arnold schwarzenegger right. arnold is the final girl in the predator, final, in predator yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but like that, that eventually the 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 villain or the force of nature is vanquished or or at least temporarily yeah. stopped, and the the object of his uh, you know the object of, of their killing uh, is the one that defeats him. Yeah, and it usually boils down to the male villain versus the female heroine. Yeah. Another el- another layer to the movie that mm-hmm. that adds a lot to its tone mm-hmm. is uh the soundtrack oh my god that movie i didn't know the movie opened with that iconic the, theme and you just sit there with it for for three minutes the, yeah i mean the, the, that That's opening awesome. credits of just this uh, john carpenter score mm-hmm. this slow push into this regular you know pumpkin but just the closer you get and the longer you look at it the creepier it is yeah it's not a really well done pumpkin it's yeah, and, and you're just moving in on its eye. Yeah. And like, uh, you're yeah. just really unnerved yeah, by the yeah. time that credit sequence is over. And the second one is even creepier. Oh, really? Because they do the same thing, but the pumpkin kind of, like, opens as you get, like, it cuts uh, open. Uh, and you go inside the pumpkin. Like, it is Oh, my gosh. Just, yeah. The Heart of Pumpkin. Yeah. The Heart of Halloween 2. The Heart of Pumpkin. <laughs> Halloween 2. Pumpkinhead's Revenge. <laughs> The birth of pumpkin. Um, well, um, but uh, if you don't mind me digressing for a moment, uh, if we're talking soundtrack, we're talking this iconic theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering if we could do a little segment called Halloween Theme, <laughs> which, if we were watching a streaming, you'd see John Carpenter's Halloween logo, and then and maybe in like a Joker Man font, uh, the word theme mm-hmm. with two question marks okay. above, floating above my head. Mm. They just so, float in. So, right? Yeah, they okay. just float in. So I was, I was thinking, I'd play you a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Don't make me guess what, what the, no, the notes are. No. I'm not musically. <laughs> You're not musically inclined. I just, I want you to listen. I'm going to play it up in, into this, my microphone. Um, and I won't talk over it so we can get a clean. But I just want you to tell me after you're listening... Is it the Halloween theme? What do you think? Do you want to play? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. Let's go to the first one. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Was that the Halloween theme? You're asking the tough questions here. Just go with. I'm gonna go say my gut says yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's correct. That was. That oh was, my god, I got it. That's the beginning of the. Of the, that's of the, the very beginning. Oh, I thought it sounded familiar. Yeah. Oh, nice. Congratulations. You got one point. I thought you were gonna play like the Family Feud music and. <laughs> but well, well, listen. I'm gonna play you something else. Okay. Tell me, is this the Halloween theme? literally cringing okay now is that the Halloween thing it shouldn't be mm-hmm. but I feel like it might be from one of the later movies oh really I feel like it might be oh no no it's not what? it's okay. not it's so that that's from Lincoln Park oh yes what I've done is the name of the song from 2007. You might remember it from the Transformers soundtrack. Oh, of course, yeah. At the end credits, that's <laughs> yeah. I. I just watch the only watch the end credits of that <laughs> movie. Oh, all right. So you didn't get a point there. Oh my yeah. gosh! Look at that. Okay, I got another one. I yeah. know. <laughs> it's like the same song. Yeah, that's the Halloween theme. That's that, true. That that is the Halloween theme. That is a from a YouTube video. If you search Michael Myers plays Halloween theme song in YouTube, uh, you'll see a guy in a Michael Myers uh, suit and mask playing it on guitar. He loves his theme song. <laughs> he does. Yeah, in his spare time. So that's correct. That was right. Okay, here's another one. Ready? This is, I'm having so much fun with this. Negatory. Oh, that sounds real familiar, though. Is that from a Christopher Nolan movie? No. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. I give up, though. Not a Halloween movie. It's not a Halloween movie. That's that intro uh, thing that you would get at the beginning of a Battlestar Galactica episode. Oh. When they tell you the Cylons were created by man, they evolved, they rebelled. There are many copies, and they have a plan. There you go. Which is bullshit. They never had a plan. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> we. <laughs> so you're, you were correct. Okay. All right. I, I have just... One last one? I have a bunch, but I, we, I have a feeling this is going on, on and on and on. But, uh, okay, here. Which one? We'll do this one. Is this the Halloween theme? No. No. Is that the Halloween theme? No. It is the Halloween theme sped up 250%. <laughs> Unused by Carpenter, Unused. believe it or not. I can't believe you didn't do you it. You didn't do it. So that, everybody, <laughs> is Halloween theme? Question mark? We're leaving, we're leaving space there for the... 
<laughs> with the, the graphic to whoosh for the, for the visual whoosh. that you're uh, not gonna get. To be to be completely honest, I had uh, six other tracks. No, I think we're good. I think we're we got that covered. <laughs> once I once I rehearsed this without you. Uh, I realized like this is just gonna go on. It was an hour on. and just that. I segment. had a lot. This took me a lot of prep. <laughs> hey, we've got another segment though. So <laughs> Halloween theme. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Uh, the what does work about that score? Tell is, me again. Though. The simplicity. Yeah. The traditional John Carpenter. I'm only gonna give you a few notes, and I'm gonna give it to you over and over. But in this movie, it works great. Yeah. I mean, there's really only like five different tracks. I think that get repeated, mm-hmm. like on the, if you look at the soundtrack listing, it's like the shape lurks, the shape stalks, the shape, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's all basically the same thing, just a little bit. Yeah, and I love that detail of the fact that Michael Myers, it, the, the the guy in the mask and why he's he's called the shape in the script. Yeah, I mean that's. Boy, that's so perfect. Because he's not, he's like, not Michael Myers. He's not Michael Myers. Like, there yeah. is no Michael Myers. Yeah. Michael Myers was the boy. Yeah. And then this is the shape. Yeah. And, like, that's a great detail. Like, I just, I love that, learning that. that yeah. Was, that was really cool. Uh, and who I neglected to say earlier was played by Nick Castle. Nick Castle. Who went on to become a children's movie director. Oh. Uh, but it was a, a good friend of Carpenter's and... Uh, they were in a band together called the Coupe de Vils. Oh. Uh, that uh, Carpenter just really saw this character and the way and the way Nick Castle moved his body movement and his body language, mm-hmm. and could see this creepy, you know, murderer yeah. <laughs> in his friend's walk every time he looked at him. <laughs> so, like, you know, Nick would ask him for motivation, you know, character motivation, and Carpenter's answer would be like. Uh, your motivation is to walk from this point to this point over here. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything. Just walk. Don't change. Don't change anything about how you walk. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that was <laughs> worked pretty well, I think. Yeah, his movements are really are, are they really are distinct. They're mm-hmm. it's not just a guy pretending to be creepy. Like this guy knew how to, he knew how to walk. Yeah, with that, like. And, and, and carry and the, that energy. The body language, and, and we mentioned this in the in the Friday the Thirteenth show, but the body language of this My, Michael Myers or the shape is so much more menacing than the other ones. Mm-hmm. They all have a different stature, and of course, in each movie, it's somebody. I think one person played him twice, mm-hmm. um, but they all have a different. Like the mask changes, the suit changes, the body type changes. And it just, none of them work as well as Nick Castle. And I was very excited. One of the things I was most excited about for the new movie was the fact that Nick Castle is playing Michael Myers again. Oh, my God. So it's like you're really getting, this is the closest you're getting to the original movie. Wow, yeah. Now, The Predator taught me to not uh, put my (laughs) expectations that high. So, you know. I did see uh, Halloween 8, Halloween Resurrection in the theater, so oh. that was a huge disappointment, and I haven't forgotten it. Oh, my God. Anyway, All right, digressing sorry. again. Uh, anyway, the soundtrack was uh, a great soundtrack, but it didn't come out until a few years later. It came out in 1983 and was re-released several times. Uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, of course, was not on the soundtrack, but... No. Uh, another part of the I think there's like three actual songs in the in the movie um, but oh, that's there? the most prominent oh 
Um, I, I can't remember. But it was like when Laurie first gets in the car with Annie, there's a different song playing. Oh, okay. And then when you see, when you realize Michael's just following them, mm-hmm. which I also love, that that's when Don't Fear the Reaper kicks in. Mm-hmm. And then there's another point with uh, another song. But um, you want to talk some uh, box office? Some box office Should we talk. talk about how it did? Yeah. What's... Uh what was the budge again? So the budge was uh, three hundred twenty, about three hundred twenty-five thousand. Okay. Uh, they shot it in the spring of of uh, nineteen seventy-eight in Los Angeles. They shot uh, most of it in the uh, South Pasadena area. Mm-hmm. Um, the Myers house actually was moved from where it was originally when they shot it because you can clearly see it's in the middle of a neighborhood. Uh, they, the house itself was moved to a different spot in South Pasadena, and uh, there's a an art gallery that's right behind it. Uh, now that what? yeah, there's an art gallery right behind it called the Sugarmint Gallery mm-hmm. that uh, every Halloween has all like Michael Myers, all the artwork is Halloween the movie based you know based around the movie and Michael Myers related artwork. Yeah, it's a great place. Anybody in the area should check it out. Yeah, I gotta uh, get over there. Yeah, it's it's cool. cool, and so you can like go hang out at the art gallery and come around and like the hang around house. the Myers house. Oh, really. that's neat. Yeah, all right. Um, cool. But the uh, the climax of the movie, the two houses where Lori's babysitting, those are on I want to say Genesee Avenue oh. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. I could be wrong about really? that, but yeah, that that area. Oh, yeah. Let's get over there. Yeah. Oh my god, I got to see these places. But they uh, must hate all the all the all the people snapping photos, <laughs> like the Goonies house. The the cool thing about South Pas- South Pasadena is you see South Pasadena in a lot of movies throughout the eighties. <laughs> yeah, you do. Like a lot of the Michael J. Fox movies, Back to the Future, yeah. Teen Wolf. You know, and those sidewalks you know that small town usa like that was and and in a way still is south pasadena Mm -hmm. um it it really nails that every town main street usa look yeah Um, but it's from california so it's just kind of just gorgeous and right it just looks pretty it looks uh, like idyllic yeah you know um and it can it can pass for and did pass for anywhere any town yeah haddonfield Um, illinois isn't a real town no I mean, there's one in Jersey, but... Yeah, we don't want to talk... We, we already talked about <laughs> Jersey. Jersey. No offense to our Jersey listeners. Uh, yeah. Go uh, Mudheads. Or what's the official bird of Jersey? <laughs> it's a, the Robin. It's could the Robin. Be, is it the Robin? Okay. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, it was released... So, uh, they, so they shot it in the spring. So all the those leaves and all the fall look... Um, those are all fake leaves blowing yeah. around that, uh, and you can see, and we talked about while we were watching it, you can yeah. see like, oh, it rained that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it just rained. It just rained. <laughs> all the trees have bright green leaves on them. And then, but you know, for the purposes of certain shots, there's brown leaves blowing around. And, and so there's a funny. couple of shots with some palm trees in it, palm but trees. you can just, you know, overlook that. Yeah. That's fine. It looks like it's a nice, like 70 degrees, 80 degrees out. Yeah. Like it looks gorgeous. <laughs> it's just perfect uh was released october 25th 1978 and it came out kind of a staggered release through october the end of october and into november mm-hmm. that it started only started out on like 200 screens but there's not a lot of box office info yeah about this one i think it kind of 
was released. It feels like it may have been released in increments. You know, like starting out at 200, then another 200 or something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, it had a huge release. I mean, obviously, we talked about its impact and its influence, which we'll touch on again. But um, it it had a $47 million domestic gross. Yeah. uh, And then another $23 million worldwide. So that's that's a $70 million opening run for a movie that cost uh, $325,000. That's that's kind of huge. I mean, it was the number one independent or the highest grossing independent film for years and years and years. And I think I think Blair Witch surpassed it. That's probably right. Um, And then. I don't think Blair Witch holds that record anymore, but. Oh yeah, something else is. Uh, it could have been like Saw or something. I, I don't know. But or was it like My Big Fat Greek Wedding or something? Like oh that? yeah, it was My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but uh, but in I, my heart, it's always going to be Halloween. Sure. Well, that meant that's a lot of money. Um, do you know what the highest-grossing movies of, of 1978 is? Uh, well, I mean, anything with Richard Dreyfuss. So looking for Mister Good. Bar was that? Mm-hmm. It would, Most of the top ten is no. the, <laughs> That was a number uh, one. The number one was a musical. The Deer Hunter. That is a musical. <laughs> <That's not laughs> uh, it was released in '78, but um, no, Greece. Greece, yeah, number one movie. Yep. Okay. Uh, after that, what do you think? Deer Hunter. Nope. Superman. Oh gosh, yeah, Superman, Superman. was '78. Yeah. Then maybe another comedy, a comedy. Animal three. House. Yes, Animal House. Yeah. Well done. And then, uh, of course, Every Which Way But Loose. Heaven, oh, of course. Heaven yeah. Can Wait. Mm-hmm. Warren Beatty, big star. Hooper. The late, great Burt Reynolds. Ah. Jaws 2. Yep. And then uh, Revenge of the Pink Panther and then Deer Hunter. Uh, and then uh, Halloween rounds it out. Halloween's number ten or well, I have ten. I, I saw a few different. I saw number eight somewhere. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen that too. Eight I don't know 10. why nineteen seventy eight. The box office stuff is a little more trickier to find. The numbers get fuzzy. Yeah, but I I have it as a top ten for sure. Yeah, so yeah. you know that's um so it's huge a, for such a small. I mean, it's such a I don't want to say small movie, but a mm-hmm. a small production. Yeah, it it's a simple small production that didn't have the intention of being a big movie. Yeah. Like, it wasn't his goal to, like, oh, this is going to blow shit up everywhere. Yeah. No, he just like, wanted to make a good movie. He wanted to make a horror, yeah, a good horror movie, yeah, and like that's he, it. And, and like, he, he wanted to be a filmmaker that got paid for, it wasn't even his original idea. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, here, I'm going to I'm gonna give you what you want. And boy, howdy did he. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The uh, the critic response was, was a little all over the place. I mean, there I were. I could see that. There were people that really did not like this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't dislike it in the same way they didn't like the Wes Craven stuff because of how graphic and disturbingly violent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this movie, there's n- almost no there's almost no gore in it. There's almost no blood. No. Um, really. It's kind of implied, you know, implied a little bit. But, like, when he stabs Bob... You know, he skewers him to the wall. Yeah. Like, there's no blood. Today, there'd be blood gushing everywhere. Mm -hmm. But the creepiest part is just the way he cocks his head and examines the body hanging Mm -hmm. there. Like, he's admiring his 
his work. Like that's the disturbing moment in the scene. Yeah, yeah. Not like him jumping out of the closet and yeah, killing him. But uh, yeah, we live with him post murder. Like we, you know, that's yeah. like there's something really unsettling about that kind of thing. But Pauline Kael, who's a, a big uh, film critic out of New York in the '60s and '70s. Uh, did not like the movie. The L.A. Times did not like the movie. Roger Ebert did like it. Susan Stark from the Detroit Free Press uh, really got behind it. But Roger Ebert, Ebert kind of summed it up when he said, we're not seeing this movie. We're, we're having it happen to us. You're a part of, you're yeah. a part of the movie. Yeah. Like, and that, that goes along with the way it was shot and the, the point of views. And right from the opening scene, like you are forced to participate in being the murderer that's essentially true. yeah you, yeah you are and you don't have a choice you can either look away or that's what's happening yeah yeah so i mean it's a movie that really engrosses the audience in it from the get-go mm-hmm. um this movie's legacy i think it leaves a lot behind you know it, it's it uh started a genre really or a mm-hmm. sub-genre of the horror film of slasher horror, yeah, the slasher uh, genre, subgenre yeah. of the horror film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the most influential horror movies. I mean, so many other franchises were launched, you know, because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Even Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I don't think if Halloween hadn't come out, I don't think you would have seen that movie. Probably not. I mean. Right, like why would why would anyone conceive of that right. in that way? You know, because it follows the. It's just a heightened. It's a heightened version of of this. Of well, Halloween, and, and Halloween is set the arch. It's it's the modern slasher film mm-hmm. archetype. Right? Well, they're they're all kind of following each other. Like it starts with Halloween, and then they make Friday the Thirteenth, and then Wes Craven, who's already done some horror movies kind of wants to step up his game it's like well what's different what can i do that's different right. yeah so i think you can respect nightmare on elm street in a different way you gotta res- you gotta, you gotta respect, respect it. it you gotta respect it <laughs> <laughs> the uh but those franchises take it all in different directions like the the friday the 13th movies you um you're rooting by by the later movies you're rooting for jason you just want to see what what creative way is he going to kill these these teenagers yeah uh freddie becomes it's all about his one-liners and his jokes and him being the star of the movie because mm-hmm. i mean he was it's like can you and like four and five can you even name any other actor besides robert england no you can't i'm speaking for you right now okay thank you <laughs> but the halloween movies are always taken seriously they may not be executed that great but they're not jokes right. like He's not killing them, the characters, in funny ways. You're meant to want to get behind. Um, you're meant to like stay with the the teenage whatever teenagers you or human for the characters. Victim. You're rooting for the victims. You want them to succeed. You want them to live. You're not rooting for Michael to kill them. Yeah. Um, and part of that is Donald Pleasance and Sam Loomis carries the franchise while Jamie Lee is sort of being the huge movie star that she was in the 80s and 90s and kind of distance herself from yeah the the horror franchise you know the horror genre really yeah and then and her later part of her career is you know re-accepted it and come back to it and especially since donald pleasance has passed away mm-hmm. it's like 
one of the two of them is always in one of these Halloween movies. Oh, like you right. can't have it with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the only one that doesn't have either of them is Halloween three. All right, because it's not even a Michael Myers story, right? Right. Some, right. some BS. <laughs> it's well, yeah. They after Halloween two, they wanted to move on from Michael Myers and create Halloween um, like other Halloween theme. stories. Yeah, scary stories, and it just didn't work. It's aged better than people think it has. Like mm. it's on, on its. If it wasn't called Halloween three, it would be a great movie. Mm. But because it's called Halloween three, it's just screwed. Got it. So they end up coming back to Michael Myers and bringing him back in 1988 with part four. Uh, the There's a TV version. If you have the DVD, they, they, they've got a TV version of this movie that when they wanted to air it on TV, they had cut so much out that they needed to film more scenes to have it fit the running time. And this happened to coincide with them making part two. So they created some additional scenes that created a whole subplot which was really part of part two and i'm not going to spoil it here Mm -hmm. but uh they're interesting to watch if uh you have the dvd they're probably in there yeah one of the thousand dvds they released for this movie another sub a subplot that you don't see during the first movie unless you watched it on tv yes that directly affects the storylines in yeah. the sequel and beyond. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, so yeah. That's fascinating. And they play off it, in, at least in the trailer for the new Halloween. Oh, yeah. They, they mentioned They discount but, some things. Yeah. Uh, the We just talked about the sequels. There's a whole slew of sequels. None of them come close to the first one. Mm-hmm. People argue about Halloween 2 being close to it. and I, I'm, I'm a fan of Halloween 2. I like Halloween 4. The rest are kind of just they get real weird into a whole cult that is worshiping Michael Myers and the whole Sam Hain element and yeah. the doctors at the hospital who are part of it and it's you know <laughs> it just gets crazy yeah yeah and then uh, H2O is arguable whether that's a respectable Halloween movie or not mm-hmm. uh, the Rob Zombie movies are I don't know who told Rob Zombie he could uh, direct a movie, much less remake Halloween. Yeah, but uh, it couldn't have been could have made a bigger mistake. Well, he had like two or three horror movies under his belt at this point. Yeah, I he's think. got the weird, freaky kind of horror movies, but it just completely missed the mark and changed the whole what what made Halloween scary. Mm-hmm. Just he went a whole different direction with it that I don't think anybody was asking for. You weren't. I wasn't. You weren't if you writing. Go on that street right now. You ask people. Did you ask for Rob mm-hmm. Zombie to make a Halloween remake? I can tell you what they're going to say. You didn't write your kind. They're going to say, "Who's Rob Zombie?" <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy from White Snake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Does the movie hold up? Sure. Is it worth watching? Yeah, totally. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, it's uh you know regardless of my taste for horror movies or not i can still recognize what's a good film uh most of the time and this is one of them and to know that it's like it's such a it has its place in history as as an influence i mean you can see you can see other movies that were born out of this other filmmakers who people you know, young people that watch this for the first time and decided they want to become filmmakers and do their own thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's, you know, people's lives were changed 
you know, for their trajectories change just because this movie exists. So, um, and I guess you could say that about almost any piece of media, but this is certainly something that is, is, is a lot of influence. So, uh, I recognize that I, I, this thing holds up. It's, it's still, it doesn't really have a, it's not, um, tied to any kind of, you know, time period, political, uh, political culture, any, anything like that. Like it's, it's a very, uh, it's neutral in that way. Yeah. Um, and it's relatable, um, to, um, you know, your fears about life, tension, death, uh, you know, it, it's, it just hits a lot of different things that, um, work on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, it's the movie that, there are other great horror movies before this, but this is the first one that, to me, major one that really nails the the creepy factor and the, mm-hmm. the subtle the subtleness of it, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the first three quarters of the movie. Yeah, um, and I think that clicked with a lot of people that 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 was a direction you could take a horror movie without having to do the big scares. That it's possible to do it without that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is, too, and just really quick, like, this, while it, you know, we, you said the word creepy, and that this movie is creepy, and it has that, but it's, it's like, what is it about this versus, like, the modern thing that, in these, in these films that intentionally creep you out, and you can sense it from the beginning, and you're just kind of like, it doesn't make it creepier, but it's just sort of like, you can sense you're trying to like everything they're just trying, seems they, try too hard. They're trying too hard now, and it's all about the visual. I'm, here, I'm gonna I'm gonna shit gonna on modern movies modern again. Do much like, CGI. They, well, no, they're just like they try too hard. They they it's all visual scares. You know the jump scares, the like stuff coming at the camera. Yeah, paranormal activity stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't leave a lot to your imagination or feel grounded in reality. Yeah. And that's what works. We keep, I kept saying it, but like the simplicity is what makes this movie work so well. Mm-hmm. And if this is your ultimate example of a, of, a, of a horror movie that works. Everything else, like The Nun and The Conjuring, it's all, they're all the same movie. Like they all look the same to me. They look the same. Have you seen them? I've seen every none of them, <laughs> not, not one. But I don't want to. Like, I have no interest in it. it well, just, yeah. Well, they don't compel you just based on the trailers alone. Yeah. Like, yeah. But that's that's also part of how... I'm certainly not... Like, maybe I'll check out one or two of them, but I'm not going to watch all of these. I think they, they said the nun... Uh, the the pull quote on the poster was like, the the craziest entry in the conjuring universe. Like they're I'm like, Oh God, like I don't, I'm, I'm done. Like the conjuring universe, like everyone, everything's, everything's a cinematic universe today. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a horror movie that works and it works perfectly. I'm going to say that perfectly, perfectly. I mean, for what it's trying to do. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm in agreement. And this is your ultimate Halloween movie. You want to watch a good scary movie on Halloween? This is your movie. Watch Halloween. I mean, it says it in the title. It couldn't be more perfect. Yeah. I um, cry myself to sleep after I watch it. Oh, my every gosh. Time. So every... I revealed this about myself. Oh, my God. The very brave of you. Uh, yeah. No judgment from me. Um, now that uh, we're, we're wrapping, I think we're going to wrap it up now. 
I'm gonna be. Is it time to go? I'm gonna wait till morning in the booth here. When the sun is up, I will go to my car or have my driver take me home. Okay. Well, I mean, the sun should be up at uh, about an hour and a half, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, you'll make it. Yeah. Hopefully, nothing will get you while I while I leave and abandon <laughs> you here, and I <laughs> and I leave the door unlocked. <laughs> Just creeping. Oh wait, what time is it? I, oh, I have to let out another cat. <laughs> so before I go, uh, but thank you guys for for listening, and joining us for this very special Halloween episode. Halloween. Uh, we're coming. We've got a lot more in store for you. We've got a very even another bonus episode coming at you next week. Yeah. So stay tuned and take a wild guess about what we might be covering. I hope you're not overpromising. I hope this works out. No, it's going to happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you get a chance, we appreciate all the, uh, the reviews and the ratings. If you could just, you know, we love it when you hop on iTunes and give us a five-star uh, review there. Yeah, it's great. It we- help, helps us. Helps us. It helps the show get out there and boost its profile and and uh, tweet at us any questions, anything you want us to cover. Uh, we're we're more than happy to uh, engage you on that. Yeah, check out the Twitter. We throw out polls here and there. We engage with other folks. Uh, you know, or check us out on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely get just uh, say hi. We yeah. love we love hearing from you. Yeah. Uh, and that's always fun. So um, we're just, uh, I, I always say it. It's like, I'm, I'm glad we get to do this together, John. But uh, I'm glad that you guys out there get to uh, listen in with us. It's uh, a real treat. It sure is. And uh, now it's time for us to get going. And what? we will. What? Hmm? What? Huh? Is it? Okay, it's officially time to go. <laughs> it's, yeah. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week, and thanks for tuning in. Bye now. We'll be right back. <laughs> we should just cut a bunch of, of outros. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> <laughs>